Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, 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 guys. Welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. And thank you, as ever, so, so much for choosing to spend your valuable time, this 30 minutes of your life, with us. It really does mean a heck of a lot. Now, we've all heard the axiom, your network is your net worth. And that has perhaps been never more true than it is today. In this world of attention-grabbing media and in the world of actually, okay, how genuine are we behind these social profiles, it becomes really, really important to be the person that builds relationships and actually knows how to leverage that network. And that's exactly the issue that we're going to define, challenge and conquer today. How to cultivate loyal fans who will grow your network for you. And joining me today is someone who is extremely successful in this field. Extremely successful. An award-winning inventor, a renowned intellectual property strategist and a successful entrepreneur. I won't do him justice by telling his story, so I'm going to let him do it. Welcome to the show, Mr. Stephen Key. How are you, sir? Well, thank you very much, Mark. It's a pleasure being here. It's always fun. We were chatting in the pre-interview uh, in the pre-interview chat about Stephen being in slightly warmer climes than I here in the north of England. So, if you guys are listening in England, don't get envious. It's red hot where he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Well, thanks for doing this, Stephen. And before we dig in, let's just dig into your background a little, sir. Just tell the listeners a little bit about your journey, where you came from, and, and what it is you do. Well, thank you. I'm, I guess, a product artist slash entrepreneur, inventor, I guess. That's a hard definition. I can tell you uh, for, for my whole career, I come up with ideas and I show those ideas to large companies. And if they like it, they pay me a royalty on, on every one they sell. And so I guess I'm an inventor, I guess, but my ideas are very simple. They're not complicated. I don't reinvent the wheel. I just piggyback on existing ideas, and then I let all those large companies work for me, and it's called licensing. I love the phrase product artist. That's amazing. <laughs> That's something I've never heard before. So let's talk about some of the ideas, just to put some of this into context. And So you said you sort of piggyback off ideas that are uh, you know, perhaps already there or extend the solution a little bit. Have you got some examples of those that the listeners might be able to relate to? Well, maybe. Uh, quite a few years ago, Michael Jordan, which is a very popular uh, basketball player, uh, had licensed his likeness to indoor basketball games to Ohio Art. And I was able to show Ohio Art how to sell more of those Michael Jordan basketball games just by changing the backboard instead of having a square backboard to the shape of Michael Jordan. And that simple change of how to how Ohio Art could take advantage of that likeness of Michael Jordan, they were able to sell that. They called it the Michael Jordan wall ball. They were able to sell it for 10 years. I collected royalties, and the first year was about $100,000. And that was just a very simple, very simple change to a very common, or not a common, but a, a product that kids were enjoying. Um, 
another simple change. Um, I was selling guitar picks for some reason. I don't know. I, my best friend in childhood said, let's, let's start a business selling guitar picks. And we changed the shapes to Mickey Mouse, skulls and vampires and monsters and sold tens of millions of those guitar picks just by looking at it a little differently. Fantastic examples. The guitar picks one real, really resonates with me. I remember going into the music shops over here. I'm a guitarist myself, and, and there's a, a shop up here in the north which is famed for its array of guitar picks and that kind of thing. You can just see them flying off the shelves. So I love the idea that you take something that people take for granted and you put a new twist on that. That's very, very, very interesting. Now, the issue that we're going to define Challenge and Conquer is actually how to cultivate loyal fans who are going to grow your network for you. So let's just look at that for a second. Where where does that sit in your array and how, how has that kind of mindset helped you over the years? Well, it's extremely important. And I think you had mentioned how important that is to your, to your company, your net worth is how to, how to build a loyal fan base. I call it building your army. That's what I call it. And if you do that correctly, uh, they will support you. And you can start today uh, in your garage or, or you don't have to start a big, a big company, but using the power of social media to build your army, build an awareness. Their purchasing power is huge. But how do you do that? Uh, I'll give a very quick example. With the guitar picks, we realized very quickly that we are very small, that MySpace was just starting up. And the big guitar companies would not talk to us. And even the large bands, uh, we couldn't get them to endorse our product. So we went after garage bands, individuals, and we were able to put a loyalty fan sponsorship in place that if you would sell you the guitar picks uh, at cost and they all have the name of our company on the back of each and every one. And we ran these contests on MySpace uh, that included their friends to vote for them. So we were able to create this huge following uh, just by looking at the situation differently and and loving your customer, loving those garage bands that want to be the big bands. And we we went from being very small to one of the largest suppliers of guitar picks in the world. What I love about that is that you went to the people. You went person to person. You went to the people that were really going to enjoy something new in that field. And what was that like from a mentality perspective? You know, because so many people start out in small business with these grand ideas, which is fantastic. You know, thinking big is, is completely underrated. But how did you guys come to that decision? How was that to swallow? Was it was it quite a natural shift? Well, we just we hit a brick wall. We couldn't find a way to get the word out. And we knew that distributors would not carry our product unless people were asking for it. And everybody thinks that you need great distribution. Yes, but you need to create demand. And you do that by, by connecting to your fan base, your customers. And, and what we did, we gave those garage bands the ability for sponsorship. And when we ran the contest, we put them in national magazines. And it wasn't about us. It was about them. And I think that, um, that attitude was was something that they were shocked. They embraced us. They loved us because we made it about them and no one would help them. So we, we, we took it, I would say advantage. We, we helped them 
with some of the things that they couldn't do themselves. And for that, we created a huge army and a, a huge loyal following base that were keep that kept on going to to the stores asking for our product. And before you know it, we were in Walmart, 7-Eleven. We sold all around the world. We were in over 10,000 10, stores very, very quickly because of that army we built online. That's a very quid pro quo relationship as well. I really like that idea. And just as you scaled that up, so as you became available in 10,000 outlets worldwide, how did you maintain that? Did you do anything to kind of keep those grassroots contacts? How, how was that set up, if you like? Absolutely. We... We ran these contests every month, month in and month out. We had someone that we found that was following us to manage our online presence that spoke the same language. I was a little older. <laughs> so we were smart to, to realize that you have to stay on top of any social media, any relationship you have with, with someone. If, if it's a one-way street, it doesn't work. So you need to spend the time and the energy and the money for someone to manage that one-on-one -on -one relationship. If someone asks a question, you need to get back to them. You need to make them the most important person you possibly can at that moment. And that just requires a little bit of planning, the right person that represents your brand, your company, and uh, finding uh, the whoever's working for you to love them as well, as much as you love them. And it, it worked. Uh, no matter how large we became, we were still very personal. I love that. And I think it's something that so many, in particular, small businesses kind of struggle with because to see time as being an issue. And what I love what you said there, Stephen, is, is the fact that you'd taken a follower, a fan, if you like, someone that was already evangelizing your product and you brought them in because they spoke the same kind of language. And was that a very logical choice at that time? Did that just feel like the natural path or was it, was there some sort of mental resistance with you guys trying to do that? How, how did that sit? I, well, it, it was very natural. We found uh, one of our fans that was following us and commenting on, uh, commenting uh, on the posts and, they were like a stalker. They were just everywhere, always. In the middle of the night, this, uh, this, this wonderful woman um, was just acting as an ambassador for us. And so we thought, well, this is perfect. She's doing it for us naturally. Why don't we help support her in her efforts? When we think about maybe smaller businesses or entrepreneurs starting up, I mean, this, this idea of a thousand true fans and having this loyal tribe, this loyal army of people, it sounds fantastic. And I just wonder, Stephen, what are some of the mistakes that people tend to make when they initially start down this path? Because it, it can't be easy to, to train your mind into trying to build this following. So what are some of the mistakes that you see people making? Well, you have to start slow. And you have to give of yourself. And if you have good content, you need to give it away. I think in order to feed yourself, you need to feed the village first. So I, I, I think you need to um, listen. I think, you have to, I think you need to be a very good listener before you start up any conversation with anybody on any social site. I think you need to be able to give away good content freely. I learned that from Tim Ferriss. I wrote the four-hour work week. He told me if you're ever going to produce a book or write something, write it like it's your, your last. Never hold back a moment. 
And if you have that attitude, your audience will build and it will follow you. Also, I, I think you need to have a point of difference. Um, to stand out today, you need, uh, like Seth Godin says, you need to be a purple cow. You need to be different. So your content needs to be unique, needs to be your own personal experience, and it has to have value. So I always look at whatever we're doing, how can this benefit my audience? First and foremost, it's not about us. It's not about our company. We, we learn that through our, our musical accessory business. We always make it about our customer. How do we serve them first? And I think once they, they experience that, um, they always come back to it because you're being authentic, you're being transparent, and that creates loyalty. There's always something as well inside having your own genuine tone of voice. I often find that many businesses really struggle to find the tone of voice because they feel as if they need to be a certain way. You know, they have to have this business front. So is there something around, you know, marrying the personality that we've got as people and actually not hiding behind this big royal we of a business? You know, you can genuinely be yourself, can't you? You know, that's a great question. I, you know, you can be a small business and still be extremely profitable. Um, and and uh, I think, you know, working with big businesses is just difficult, right? We all agree with that. Okay, so we do everything the opposite. We like being small. We like to be personal. We like for them to, to hear us. We want to them to, we don't want to be, um, we we want to be the real deal. So if we can show a glimpse of who we are, our personality, flaws and all. Uh, in fact, I really believe in if you make a mistake, admit it as fast as you can. I, I think it's okay to show some of your problems and ask for help. Uh, be human. Um, answer your phones. Um, answer when people are on social media. Get back to them quickly. Uh, do everything you'd want a good friend would do. And if you can, uh, if you can do that, you're going to be really successful. You love your customers. Treat them like your best friends. And if you cannot do that... Um, then you have to find another another way for for them to buy into you. Maybe it's a lower price point. We don't play that game of just being cheaper. I don't play that game because I think it's a losing battle. We believe in providing good good content always and being uh, being uh, like I said, expose yourself. And I think you'll be surprised. People love love it when they can connect with you at that level. And everyone talks so much about passion in business, but there's so many of us that are so afraid of bearing our soul for fear of either rejection or, you know, the kind of, oh my God, there's a troll online. That one person has said something. It's really weird as well because, you know, being an author yourself, you'll know that you can have a million people really loving you. And the one person that puts a negative comment, that's the one that you hone <laughs> in on, isn't it? Yes. So, I learned a very important lesson a couple of years ago. You're really doing something right. If someone's saying something bad about you, uh, you, you have a point of difference. You have an opinion, have an opinion. It's perfectly fine. And you're going to have some haters and yes, it hurts. And yes, you want to, you want to respond back, but don't be polite. Uh, it speaks volumes. In fact, it speaks um, when you don't engage 
you put out the fire. Uh, we've had uh, people, of course, you have people that say things that you wonder why they would even put that in writing. But we've had our, we had our fans or customers come to our defense. And I like for them to speak on our behalf rather than us. So, but you're going to have it. And it's really hard not to respond. I, I just don't anymore. I just kind of thank them and move on. <laughs> I love that. And you can almost see the kind of, uh, you know, the, the red brimming as, as it fills your eyes up, sat behind the computer, trying not to respond because it becomes so <laughs> difficult. I mean, you know, the first time you get a negative review on iTunes for the podcast, well, my Lord, I was, <laughs> I was ready to quit. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing something right, Mark. It's okay. It, it, it's, a, um, I just got something, well, you get it all the time. Uh, it doesn't bother me so much anymore, but still, you never want someone to say something that's not maybe correct or you want to be liked, right? So I think it hurts. There's no, there's no doubt about it. It doesn't feel great, but um, I just don't engage, no. I think that's a great piece of advice. And I think it's one of the biggest fears that, you know, we're talking about building that network and we're talking about how, generally speaking, having your own personality and marketing that through the content that you put out, that that takes some real serious guts, especially in this modern age. I mean, you know, when you think about video marketing, that's a very interesting medium, but stepping in front of that camera for the first time, that's very, very tricky. And is that something that you guys do quite oh, a lot of as well? I... um Wonderful, wonderful topic here. I, we do these YouTube videos and they're not scripted. We probably maybe 10 minutes before we go. In fact, I don't even tell my, I, I go on with my partner, but I don't even tell him what the topic is because I want to surprise them. And we never edit it. We are ourselves. It's, it's, and they can see us, right? Uh, and they know we're the real deal. It's not slick. We're, we're everything but not, we're, we're not slick. They know we're not, you know, stock photography people. We're real people. So I think they love it. They love that we're genuine. And I think they see it. And even we make mistakes, it's perfectly fine. But that takes practice, right, to be natural. So what I did is that I just turned the camera on and talk about topics. And then before you know it, you... You start to love the camera and you start to feel very comfortable. You don't even know it's there and you start to be yourself. And when you're yourself, it comes across, um, something comes across the, the, every flaw you have can be picked up very easy on video. But then again, it works in reverse. Um, every, every great thing about you can be magnified on it too. So I believe, just being yourself and have a little practice and then they're loving the camera and the camera will love you too. That's a lesson that was learned by many a podcaster as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of not editing. I don't edit the show down. I mean, you know, there's sometimes I'm just even have no idea what I'm saying and it just comes <laughs> out <laughs> just rambling along. We talk about comics. We talk about what we're having for dinner, but I leave it all in because I, I completely agree, Stephen. I think it it humanizes you. And I've spoken to other podcasters about this and they've just wanted, looked like they wanted to kill me when I say I don't edit anything. <laughs> just leave well, the room, pack it up and off I go. But it's, it's so important, isn't it? To let the human come out. Yeah. And a lot of people want to protect that image somehow. They, they want to make sure they manage that, that image, what's being said. But some of the best interviews I've had is when someone has 
said some things that kind of caught me off guard and was able to be real. And, it, and when you listen back to it, people really responded to it because it was a real moment. It wasn't planned. I, I like that. So I think in today's world, that's what you need to do. Forget the teleprompter. Forget the script. Don't practice. Just be yourself and have fun with it. And people will, will listen to you. Yeah. And when you think about these loyal fans, the, the, the real interesting movement that I think is going off right now, and I'm sure you I'm sure you are picking up on this one as well, is the live streaming movement. You know, things like Blab and Periscope. The barrier to creating content and building fans that you you never ever would have been able to build is just so low these days. Anyone can do it. Is that something that you've experimented with? Have you done much live streaming or or do you intend to look at it? Yeah, we do. I have been involved with some inventors groups where they live stream uh, a, a webinar or a Skype, and it's very effective. Um, we haven't got too involved in that, uh, but we do other types of reaching out, of course, the LinkedIn. And I, look, I do Facebook a little different, too. Um, my Facebook is a hybrid of my business but personal life. Oh, thank God you've said that. That's amazing. I struggle so many with people that don't quite use it like that. Yeah, I, it gives me an opportunity to um, show, I think, it gives me an opportunity to talk about my business, talk about my real life, show them a, a glimpse of, of who I am. And, and, and once they see that, um, they, they become uh, customers or, or students of ours because they see that, you know, he is a real guy. He's got a family and he likes to do certain things. And yeah, he likes to have a good time and he's human. Uh, I love how many websites do you go to when you have, you see stock photography. <laughs> it's like, who are those people? Who are those beautiful people you're looking at? So I use my Facebook as a way. And some of, I don't know how many people are doing that. I, I like doing that. I, I think it's okay. Um, I'm a little concerned not to sell. I, I would rather share. I'm very concerned about how much I post. Um, but I also um, think it's a great tool for people to just to, 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 to really get to know you. Right. And we, we, get, we, we receive a lot of traffic th through that. It's a wonderful, it's wonderful, but I don't know how many other people are doing it that way. I have no idea. People it's such, a, such a refreshing angle. Yeah, people thought I was crazy to do it. My family was like, what are you doing? I said, well, this is who I am. And it worked. It really, really, really is a refreshing angle because I do the same thing with my Instagram account. Like that's my, that's one of my main channels. And I, I do the same thing. I'll post a picture of a Batman comic that I'm reading, the picture of the <laughs> dog that I'm walking. And then I'll post something that I'm doing at the studio. And you, you're right, it's all mingled together. But the classic thing is the customer's, that I tend to see then, you'd be amazed how many people like Batman. It's, <laughs> and then suddenly you've got this ice break here and, and building that relationship is so much easier. So I'm, I'm really, really grateful that you said that because I think so many people could benefit from doing things like that. It's, it's really, really powerful. And you mentioned something about not oversharing because that can be really, really difficult to monitor. Do you have any strict kind of personal guidelines on the type of things that you share from a business perspective then? Do you, do you look for certain criteria when you're sharing or is there anything in that department? Yeah. There, um, we, 
you know, I, there's certain things I just don't discuss. Um, you know, politics is one of them online. Um, I don't discuss uh, religion. Um, maybe not even my favorite sports team. I keep very neutral. Um, I don't try to push my content out as selling, but more of, hey, this is what I'm doing. And I try not to do it that often. Now, I I'm probably am doing it that, that often, but I guess compared to other people, I guess I, I try to hold back on that. I also um, have, I have a team, one of my team members looks at some of the stuff that we want to do and, and has a different perspective on it. Sometimes I need someone from the outside to go, look, let me show you what, how that looks and feels to me. And that's very helpful to, to really manage your image a little bit, not too much, but a little bit. So um, it's more of a sharing, I think, but selective sharing. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I never want to sell social media. It's about being social, isn't it? <laughs> the, the clues in the name and it baffles me that people do, <laughs> do miss that. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's like going to a party and, and, Running in where you don't know anybody, raising your hand and say, hey, I've got something to sell. Does anybody need this? Really? I mean, you haven't even said hello. So uh, I it's take it so slow. frustrating, isn't it? It's so frustrating. I did a talk on it yesterday, actually. We, uh, I'm, I'm, it's a shame that we're not sat around a bar drinking beer because we would be writing all sorts of wrongs <laughs> in the world because this is just right up my street. And I, it, it, it amazed me. I saw one on LinkedIn the other day. No, they're not posted for such a long time. And they popped in, here's what we're doing, here's what we're selling, check out our product. And then that's it. You don't see them for another six months. And it just, huh. ah, crazy. Is that crazy? Yeah. I, I, I think a larger businesses um, are failing, are, they're going to fail on social media because of that attitude, right? That, you need, and it takes, see, here's the problem. It takes time to do that. Um, and it's, it takes time to, to um, to build that bond, and, but it only takes seconds to destroy it. So uh, you have to be in for the long haul. I believe we we have a very good network on on our one of our businesses in Bentright. We have a huge email list because we give a lot of content away. Um, we don't take commissions. We don't do any of that stuff. So we're really neutral, and we can write about topics from my customers. Uh, point of view, not from my point, from my point of view, but that benefits my customers and, and, and serving them that well, they just stay with you. The, the minute I did something that was not appropriate, I think I would lose my fan base really quick because I wouldn't be the real deal. So we made a decision a long time ago that you really have to be transparent of, of relationships and connections really upfront, squeakish again. And if you're going to do that, please let it be known. But if you're not going to do that, I think um, you're staying neutral. You can build a, a larger fan base, kind of. Yeah, you, you do become less divisive on the fickle things and actually people tune into what matters, you know, the message that you're trying to get across rather than picking out the bits that they might not agree with that aren't even pertinent. So I think that's a really good point, really good point. And Stephen, what I'd love to do now is actually shift a gear because we've spoken about the importance of building a loyal fan base and actually talk through some methods and some experiences on actually doing so. Let's move into the actionable tips section of the show. So I know you spent some time putting together three things that people can do today 
to help them start to build this loyal army. So, what is actionable tip number one, please, sir? I would say make sure um, if you if you don't have a YouTube channel, create one and practice in front of the camera and try to learn to love the camera. And you can do it in your home. You can do it anytime. You can do it anywhere. But I, I would say that doing that first to be very comfortable with yourself. And I would recommend just turning on the camera and go and take a look at it and also critique yourself later. <laughs> That's always awful to do. But you'll find that um, you'll see little things that maybe you could improve upon. But yes, I think making that connection with your audience starts with being comfortable with yourself. The critiquing point is really interesting. If you can bear the first 30 seconds of your own voice on camera, then you're a winner straight away. <laughs> <to win. laughs> oh, it's that. always very, very tough. Uh, being a podcaster, the first 10 episodes, if you listen back to them, guys out there, you'll remember them. And <laughs> My Lord, I was just sat there shaking. I'm in front of a microphone. Mother, what's happening? It's crazy. It's very weird. Love that one. Fantastic. So the second actionable tip, please, sir. Um, this is kind of interesting and, and I don't know if it applies to everybody, but I try to, um, I love social media. I love building relationships. So if you've got a Facebook or LinkedIn, why not share, um, your enthusiasm for other people? And I don't think people do that enough. I think we're, sometimes we're afraid of, of congratulating our competition or somebody else. But I do that all the time. I, I built more relationships by commenting, thanking someone that I read it and making it known that I appreciate them. And what's happened when you do that, they come back to you. And number one, you, you're on their radar now. And it's such a simple, it's such a simple thing to do. Flattery will get you everywhere. I'm surprised people don't use, use it. Um, so... I think that's something you can do instantly and see what happens when you give of yourself and you, you compliment other people's within your industry, using social media, right away, you're going to find that your, your uh, uh, world is going to expand quite quickly. I think that's a very good point. The gratitude side of things is, is completely underdone, I think. And I believe that personally, we're all so stymied by how busy we are. We all, we all say that we're so busy. Well, I don't have time for that. It's, it's, it's not important right now to me. And I think that's a crazy notion because you genuinely do get what you give. And I think you have to take the time to just be a real person across the board, not just with the content that you put out. But, you know, if you're walking down the street and someone holds a door for you, I don't know why there's a door in the street, by the way, but someone holds a door for you, you say thank you. Why would you not? So I think that's an extremely good point. I think that's a very, very well put point. And the third and final actionable tip, please, sir. Well, I'm going to actually, I'm going to expand upon this because I, I think part of this is something you can do very quickly. If you found a mentor, if you found someone that has a larger network, let's say, you found someone that you want to build a relationship with. And I, all, and I do believe building your army is, is not only having not only communicating with people, your customers, but also people maybe at different levels. We're all at different levels, right? Kind of. And in order to climb the ladder, sometimes you need someone to reach his hand down to pull you up, right? And and that's perfectly fine. In fact, 
I call that just leveraging, leveraging connections and relationships. And so how do you do that? Um, I think it's easy to do that. I don't think we try enough to do that. And I think you could, you could start off today is find someone on social media or LinkedIn or something, someone you really look up to that you're watching, you're following, you're listening, reach out to that person and do it in such a way of using flattery. First of all, don't write one page. Don't write a full page, please. I never read it, but no one else is going to read that either, especially when you don't know that person. But say something very nice about how they affected your life or how what they've done is important to you. And don't, don't say anything else. You'll be surprised that person, no matter how busy they are, will get, most likely they will get back to you and thank you. And that's how that conversation might open up. They might say, and what do you do? That gives you the opportunity to, to get to know people that can lift you up, that can bring you to the next level by those relationships. People like to be, know that they're appreciated and people also like to help other people. So I would say that that's something that you could do today or tomorrow. But like I say, make, take, it, take your time, find someone that you really appreciate and value that you want them to be part of your network. So reach out to that person and make that connection and you can do it today. That's amazing. I, I love the idea of not rushing and just, you know, just being very, very honest and flat, you know, flattery getting you everywhere. But you know, not going whole hog with, here's what I think we can do together. And <laughs> you, know, you don't want to come across, you do sometimes very easily come across like you're at a networking event, you know, with, with the subtext of selling or being helped along. And it's, yeah, that, that's very, very difficult. So I think that's very interesting. With Stephen, I have really, really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And before we stick a pin in it, sir, let's just tell people a little bit about what you've got going on now and then where they can connect with you online, please, sir. Sure. You can always uh, find, uh, I write for Entrepreneur Magazine online and Inc. Magazine online. Every week I write for those two online uh, resources. Just, just go Stephen Key Entrepreneur or Inc. and you'll find that content. Um, also, I have a, a new book. It's actually not a, it's a, it's a book that's, it's called One Simple Idea. It's been translated in five different languages. It's about four years old. We decided to revise it and expand it. That's, um, you can find that on Amazon called One Simple Idea. It's how to take a, a simple idea, have a company license it from you and collect royalties and, and have them work for you. And you can do that anywhere in the world. That just um, was released, this, uh, the new revised and expanded October 6th. And of course, my, my main site where you can see a lot of stuff that we give away and good information is called Invent Right. You do not want to invent wrong. You want to invent right, R-I-G-H-T.com. And we just have a ton of stuff that's free. I believe, number one, give it away. Give as much as you can away. And if people want more, fantastic. They'll come back. And if they don't, they'll leave. So, um, yeah, love your audience and they'll love you. I love that. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. That's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Mark. And guys, don't forget everything that myself and Stephen have spoken about, including all of the links to everything that Stephen just mentioned, will be available at excellence-expected.com. And speaking of free content, whilst you're over there, don't forget that there's brand new content every single working day of the week, five times a week, there is new content at excellence-expected.com. So... 
Put your coffee down, put the weights down in the gym, head over there and pick something up that you're going to enjoy and that is going to be useful to you. Thanks so much for listening, folks. As ever, it's always a pleasure. And don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Adios. Adios.